What's up? Good morning. How do you today at the Van Halen Friday? This is the show before the show. Coffee time. So I got to warm up a little bit. Have my coffee. This is our little quiet time together. Thank <laughs> you. 
the show before the show. Okay, so let's go. I gotta minimize this shit. How's it going? It's Van Healing Friday. La 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 la. No bullshit today. No being an asshole. I just think you're such an asshole. None. Okay. I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> 
a little bit, but whatever. <laughs> So a little bit of uh, encouragement. If he would like to play the guitar, then play it. Just don't take, see, 1980, 34 years like me to get to my level, whatever that means. Because that's just way too long, man. It just really is. All right, I got to start show. Bum, bum, bum. Where is the... I will get lost in guitar land. Okay, here we go. The original Red Pill Show. Welcome to a brand new episode.
All right, kids, welcome to another exciting episode of the original Red Pill Show. Today is Friday, Van Halen Friday, July 9th, 2021. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please use it at your own risk. Show is copyrighted by. Do I sound like Beetlejuice? Do I sound like the mayor of Chicago? Sorry. This show is copyrighted by me and Freedom Revolution Network. No part of it can be reused, rebroadcasted in any way, shape, or form without my written consent, or you can just ask. I sound like Jack Nicholson from The Shining. Do I? I don't know. Finally, this show is opinionated. The host, especially callers 815-290-0912. People that are naughty in the chat room. Guess whatever. Ah. Uh, and always will be opinionated. Thank goodness. That's why we do this show. Finally. Oh. That's why we do this show. Okay. Opinion should never be taken as advice. If you are seeking professional advice, we strongly encourage you to hire a licensed and required person in his or her field there, little Tommy Heyman. No, that's his name. It's Van Halen Fred. So that means pull out the tequila. It's kind of early for that, though. But at least pull out your coffee. Sit back, relax, and then kick it up a notch or two. Because we're going to have some fun. And I have no idea what we're going to talk about. But it's going to be... Listen to Participation Day. So I'll open up the phone, the phone line. Where are you, Mr. Phone Line? La, 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 la. We have to... Do that I, you would think I would do that already, but I didn't. But I will now. Eight one five two nine zero zero nine one two. Uh, I got to sign into the right Gmail account. No, I am in the right Gmail account. Where's Google Voice? There it is. So there you go. It's it's open there. If I search because I'm distracted or I don't have the screen open. Thank you. 
All right, so how's it going? So I got plenty of time to, not time, I mean, hopefully I got about another 30, 40 years. God willing, if we don't get the vaccination, I don't know, I'm going to talk about that. How many is there not getting it? I would really like to know. And why? But if not, that's okay. I was listening to Sirius XM. I'm not sure. I think it was Turbo Channel 41. I'm pretty sure. Or no, it wasn't. It was Hair Nation because we were talking about the best all time live rock album. And they brought up three. I hope I can remember them. They did. Judas Priest. Um, Ted Nugent and UFO. I'm like, really? I go, that's that's the three best all time live albums. Because maybe Ted Nugent Double Life Gonzo, I guess. Uh, I mean, I haven't listened to it in years, but I did start listening to him again. And all the the audio quality sucks. I mean, it's amazing the technology that's happened over the past forty years. Those albums came out seventies, maybe eighties, and the sound just sucks. They need to remaster them and remix them and enhance them because to ultra AD or whatever uh, AD ultra AD the fuck is that ultra high def or high def or whatever, the highest audio format and quality because it just really isn't doing it any justice. I will say, however, uh, I'm not a huge UFO fan, but uh, I think the guitarist is Michael Shanker or Shanker. I know his last name, Shanker. And he, he rips on that album. He really does. And then I started listening to uh, Terrible Ted. And, I mean, energy off the charts. Ted Nugent is just, like him or not, is irrelevant. It's just like, wow. I mean, the guy's just like in your face. And the amazing part is the guy doesn't drink or do drugs. Not that you have to to get to that level, but amazing. And then I, uh, what was it, UFO, Ted Nugent, what was the other one? Jesus Priest. You can't say nothing bad about Judas Priest. I mean, it's just crazy. Another high energy off the chart band. But except Double Live Gonzo, that those other two didn't pop into my head. Uh, what did pop into my head, believe it or not, is uh, Frampton Comes Alive. I'm not a huge Peter Frampton fan, but I try to be um, an outside perspective and fair objective of what I'm listening to. And Frampton Comes Alive is an amazing album, although I haven't listened to it in its entirety, but what I have listened to, I like. Another album that wasn't mentioned was Kiss Alive 2. 
that's an amazing album. It was like 1975, 76. I was, what, 12, 13 years old. CBs and, I mean, disco and all that crap. <laughs> Kiss Alive 2 is an amazing album, too. But the one album that didn't come up, and this is the best all-time live album. And it never comes up. And I encourage you to go to YouTube and listen to this album. Perfect for Friday night and Van Halen for Van Halen Friday. But the album is live without a net. For me, okay, I'm a huge Sammy Hagar fan. He's, in fact, the reason why I attempt to play this guitar. And most people think it's Eddie Van Halen, and it's not. So there you go. It's just my playing style or what comes out. I had an interesting conversation yesterday about uh, hallucinogenics, acid, DMT. Now, Joe Rogan was talking about it. I was talking to a neighbor about it yesterday about guitar playing and things coming out naturally. I've never done that. I don't want to do that. But I just heard that your creativity and everything comes out. And Steve Jobs in his book said, well, you know, life would be a lot better if everybody just did a hit, one hit of acid, one trip. I'm like, okay. It's in the book, believe it or not. What do I know? Apparently not much. But the live without a net album i mean right off the bat it's like one way to rock sammy hagar's playing the guitar and eddie van halen i mean right there it's like you gotta be kidding me it's just a it's a high energy in your face like holy shit it's not a perfect the songs the set yeah there's better songs those guys even back then although i think they just came out with 51 50 Maybe two albums. I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm trying to remember the set. I mean, not bad, though. If you consider all the hits Sammy Hagar had in his solo career and in Montrose and with other um, super groups, Neil Schoen and HSAS. Can you tell him a Sammy Hagar fan? And with Van Halen. So definitely enough songs to put a concert on, no doubt. But those two, and then doing covers, all the way at the, well, the last song is uh, Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin. And then at the very end when they're rolling the credits and everything, and Sammy and Eddie are battling it out <laughs> guitar. It's like, what the fuck? It, it, it's amazing. I don't know. I My number one... Live album of all time 
is Van Halen Live Without a Net. And I know it's uh, been redone because it's so grainy and I have the DVD and I lost it over the years. Because this thing came out like 86 or thereabouts. So whatever the math of that is. Is that 36 years? Oh my God. What a great, what a great, it's just great. And it's grainy and even on DVD, which back in the day at that time was the best high quality, high quality video you could get. Blu-ray wasn't even a thought, let alone everything else and 4k and all that crap. But that for me, if you just want to get in a great mood and high energy and feel the vibe, do yourself a favor over the weekend and uh, check out Live Without a Net. But that is my favorite. And I'm like, why is it never brought up? Oh man, it's too early for this stuff. I'm fucking not even awake yet. Are you? What's going on? What's on it? Believe me, I'll have like three cups of coffee in me by the time the show's over and I'll be all amped up. No one's in the chat room. Where the fuck are you guys? Huh. Nobody can hear me. Huh. Okay, it's okay. I don't know. At least they think we'll be on. I've had computer issues. This is ridiculous. Where is um? Yeah, we're live on Spreaker and all that. Oh. Huh. Well, it sounds better anyway because all these other fuckers. <laughs> There's some algorithm like, oh, no, he's playing music. It's got to be copyrighted. He doesn't have permission. So they fuck with the sound and the tone and stuff. And like it's like a really bad um, uh, flanger and just uh, moving an EQ uh, settings up and down. And this is the best way I can explain it. It's just horrible. Absolutely horrible. This sound out of this thing... Comes out on Spreaker. So once again, I encourage you, if you're going to listen to the show, especially today, when there's any music involved, Spreaker. Because all the other ones suck. And quite honestly, that's a big reason why I got off of all the... Social media crap. Thank <laughs> you. 
So I got to share another story. So last night I'm in the gym and I didn't get there until, <coughs> excuse me. I didn't get in. I have a cough button. I didn't get there until like nine o'clock. So I'm working out and this and that, whatever. Maybe. Yeah. Was it nine? No, it was eight. I don't fucking know. Eight something PM. And I ran into somebody and I'm talking to them for half an hour before I could go into the gym. So I'm going to the gym. And I do my thing. And I'm in the locker room, and this older gentleman comes up from the pool. He says, hey, how's it going? I'm like, good, cool. Yeah. I figured it'd be 70, maybe early 70s. Told me his name, this and that, everything else. And just talking, talking, talking. Oh, yeah, I've been swimming all my life, blah, 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 blah. I go, that's great, man. And it's really good to see somebody just not stop moving. In fact, I think it is a big factor in my opinion that when you stop moving you're dead simple as that so then he proceeds to tell me uh oh i'm 85 and i'm doing this and still doing it blah blah just a great attitude and everything else i'm like really 85 he's like yep been swimming all my life blah 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 you know kept repeating himself uh has his phd in education and history and it was just Really enlightening to see that. I can't tell you. And I told him, well, my daughter just got her master's in education. And he's like, wow, you tell her she's in a great field and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, she wanted to be a teacher ever since she was a little girl. So I, I kind of did the same thing, except I pretended to be the principal. So he was in administering <laughs> administration right off the bat which is kind of funny, but it was just, it was just so nice with all the crap going on and people not getting along. And I just had a great conversation with this guy. And I told him when I was reading, cause I was putting on all my motorcycle stuff in my home and he goes, Oh, you look like an astronaut. And I said, yeah, I said, I always wanted to be an astronaut. And as a kid, he goes, hey, I, I couldn't do that. I'm afraid of heights. I said, actually, so am I, but that wouldn't bother me. <laughs> it really wouldn't. It's it's kind of a situational fear of heights. But that wouldn't. Uh, flying and all that kind of crap doesn't bother me. But being on, no offense, but like carnival rides and forklifts and anything that's mechanical, it just, I, I don't have my 100% confidence and faith that it's going to work. But I'm like, you know what? I go, you made me day. That is so cool. I loved seeing that. 80. Oh, my, uh, some of his relatives. Oh, my sister, 
you know, she's the same age, and we've had people live in their hundreds of their hundreds and all this crap. And, uh, and he said, you know what secret is, is is taking care of yourself and eating right. I said, yeah, I, I get that, which I want to talk about nutrition and health and wellness, but not today. Not today. Today is just having a little bit of fun. Oh, here's another thing. So when Vince Neil went off on his own and left Motley Crue, I don't know if it was his first album or not, but anyway, in any case, uh, there's a song called The Look in Her Eye, Her Eyes. And I'm listening to this and I'm like, holy shit, I actually have it on my playlist for working out on Amazon Music. And I'm listening to the guitar solo. I'm like, wait a minute. And I listen again and again. I didn't look it up. I go, that's got to be Steve Stevens. So sure as shit, he's the guy that was for Billy Idol and Rubble Yell. And just, I don't even know, so much so much stuff. Look into him. And I'm listening to the guitar solo. And I must have heard this song a hundred times. But this one time, I'm really paying attention to the guitar solo because I'm like, I'm trying to pick up what guitarists are doing. And if I like something, I try to emulate it. But I'm listening to the first. It's a two-part guitar solo. And actually, it's two guitar solos in one guitar solo. Because in between... I didn't count it off, but in between the two guitar solos, it's like two or three, four measures or whatever, and then he rips again. So the first guitar solo, and I play it, but I don't want to get in trouble. You're using our music and whatever. God forbid you share and then inspire somebody to go buy it. That's my philosophy on this whole stupid music crap which i've talked about a million times but i don't want to go down that road right now the first part of the guitar solo he's pretty much playing the minor pentatonic scale which is the blue scale and going back to the tonal key of the song which i don't even know what it is i've never messed with it i'm not that inspired to play it but it damn near like what i'm hearing so the whole first guitar solo is centered around, in my opinion, the minor pentatonic scale with some passing tones and, and whatever, and only the way Steve Stevens can play it. And then there's a pause. I think it's in E, actually. Now I'm thinking about it. And then the second guitar solo, after a... I think it's about a two measure, could even be one measure amount of time, just on, on this note. And then he starts ripping. I'm pretty sure it's still E. He starts ripping in this tonal mode. I don't know what mode he's using. And just amazing the difference in the two different guitar styles, but it's the same guitar player. 
I'm like, what the fuck? I go, you could almost say it was two different guitar players, but it's not. I know it's not. It's Steve Stevens. And that just shows how talented this guy is. And nobody ever really, to my knowledge, oh, what's your favorite guitar player? I've never heard anybody say Steve Stevens. They should, though. I'm like, this guy is fucking phenomenal. And the more I listen to music, just because most people don't even pick it up because they're not. It's kind of like this show. They're not listening to what the music's saying, like me. They're not really listening to what I'm saying. It's just a bunch of noise and blah, 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 blah. And they're not, they're not, maybe they don't know how to. I don't know. You got to have some type of music background and education. I played viola. Here you go, talking about me again. Played viola in seventh and eighth grade. So I know how to read music and I alto clef. And I, I know something about music not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I know enough and I'm listening to this guitar solo. So it's Vince Neil, the look in her eyes, listen to the guitar solos. I'm going to call them two, two solos, but it's the guitar solo. Fucking um, unbelievable. I think I'm getting the chills. That's how I know I love music or a song that resonates with me. I get the chills when I think Eddie Van Halen said that too. But just amazing example of an awesome, excellent guitar player with two different styles, pretty much the blues rock scale. And then the second one, he's fucking around with some modes and it's just like, oh my God, think like Joe Satriani that, you know, he's playing like that. Uh, which I, I've tried to figure out modes past 30, whatever years. And I just, I don't know. I just get aggravated with it because nobody can really explain it to me in terms how I understand it. So I just mess around with the uh, blue scale pretty much. And then whatever comes out and I can't really tell you what I play. If somebody, well, what do you play? Beats the shit out of me. I mean, I like the key of a, and that's what I hang around in. <laughs> but the modal crap just so you know the things about modes is if you're right in the right mode with the right chord progressions in the key it doesn't matter if you stay in the key you can just rip up and down this mode and almost like every single note fits so it doesn't matter and it's like wow that's amazing It's kind of like a singer has to stay in the same key, but very few singers can go out of the key. But the way they sing, it there's no tension. It's like they sound like they're in the key of the song. Very few people can do can do that. And it's just it, it's amazing to me the talent that is in the music industry, and it just isn't recognized to the highest level. It's crazy. Playing this guitar is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. But I didn't give up. It's perseverance. I still suck. Nobody's in a chair room. Holy shit. Okay. Well, what happened to everybody?
I heard something yesterday, and I wish I could remember where. I don't know if it was on Infowars. It was like some background noise, and they were almost literally playing this. And I and I heard it. I'm paying attention. I'm like, what the fuck? That sounds like. And that's something Eddie Van Halen does in one of his guitar solos, actually on Life Without a Net, which is really cool because it's almost like a. I'm gonna say it's almost like an orchestra opera type of thing. I don't know what the hell it is. It it's almost he does it before or after Cathedral. I think it cathedral which i can't even figure out this is just insane but i always was like fascinated by that by this uh triad note thing he's doing if i could play it that hurts the fingers oh my god my hand oh my god so anyway, I really got to keep picking this thing up, man. Because once I start doing it, it's like, I don't want to put it down. It's like, and then you just start learning stuff. And So that's my little song I came up with. Don't steal it. If I could play it. So I didn't fucking roll that. But I can come up with a bridge and then chorus. Fuck, I need a fucking band is what I need. <laughs> so, and listeners, where the hell are you guys? Hmm. Wow. Did I upset all of you? Huh. I canceled my Twitter account. Is that where all you guys come from? Is Twitter? <laughs> I don't even know. Hmm. Hmm, is that uh, your breathing? I got to go see, even though I don't have a job, I have to go see, um, I'm going to see Black Widow over the weekend. (laughs) 
If you're going to learn how to play this thing, teach yourself. Learn all the open chords. Learn the minor pentatonic scale. And then just fuck And then get some tablature books. Try to learn some songs. And just fuck around, man. Because like I said, people go, what are you playing? I don't fucking know. I really don't. But it took a long time just to noodle. And then that's what it's all about. And then record yourself. And then... I haven't told this story too many times, but excuse me. So the opening band that plays most of my songs is forever still. And I told Maya, your music's great. And I've interviewed her a few times. She disappeared though. I don't know where the fuck she's at. And I said, you have no guitar solos in your songs. And she gave me the reason why, whatever. Learned learned my lesson arguing with women. And I said, uh, well, this song right here, which is the last day. No, was it the last day? I don't even remember anymore. No, it's not the last day. But anyway, I said, this song would be awesome to have a guitar solo. So she says, well, why don't you do something about that? And I'm like, whoa, that's how sharp this woman is. I'm like, okay. So I took it, I rearranged it, changed the arrangements a little bit to build it up to the um, guitar solo part. And I came up with the guitar solo. And first of all, I asked her, what key is it in? And she goes, I don't know, E flat or I don't know, D. They tuned down a little bit, half step or whole step. And I don't, I don't like doing that personally because, number one, I have a locking tremolo on my guitar, and it's a pain in the ass to retune this thing. And guitar players will know what I'm talking about. So I just left my guitar in standard tuning. And I go, okay, well, well, I'll figure it out. And then it, it didn't help me to know what key it was in. I must have spent four or five hours aggravated as fuck to come up with a guitar solo. And I did. And I recorded it. I sent it to her. And she actually said that was pretty good. And I do have it on my computer. I just don't like to play it. Contrary to people think I'm fooling myself and it's all about me. Because it's not. But I'm just saying it because don't worry about what you're playing or trying to play. And I'm sure people that can read music and play and cheat music and orchestra and band and whatever it's like oh that guy's full of shit you got to read music and play what's on them play what's there not true 
I mean, you, you can and you should, but I don't think as a musician you're going to evolve. It's like being a stand-up comedian. You don't go around ripping other people's shit off. You come up with your own stuff. And if you don't learn how to do that, then you're not going to be to the best of your ability, which is a nice segue, and I'm going to end this because there's absolutely no... Oh, good morning. How are you? So I was told yesterday, I'm in Florida, and I came from the Midwest. Well, I came from Colorado, but then I came from the Midwest before that. And I am just so shocked in the lack of work ethic and quality in my industry. I'm not saying everybody down here in Florida is like this. I'm just saying my industry. And I can't, I can't take it anymore because I'm not going to, this is what I was told by a friend. I've known her forever and she moved down here 10 years ago and she said, Timothy, I'm like, uh-uh. I've had the same problem in people that move here from the north because now it's a north south thing like whatever of course it is we're the divided states of america she goes when northerners go for a job down here compared to southerners or floridians they usually go with the person from the north if you meet all the qualifications because our work ethic is much better i'm like really it's like yeah and i found that out already So she told me, you just may have to lower your standards to fit in down here. And she wasn't giving me advice or she was, she was being real. It's like, if you want to stay in Florida or live in Florida, you might have to lower your standards. And I'm like, what? That goes against everything that I've worked for and believed in hard work and keep improving and everything else. No matter what you do, try to do the best that you can in what you do. But if I'm just going to settle for the status quo here, I'm going to have to lower my bar and my work ethic and my expectations and my standards. And I get to do that. I've never seen anything like it. You know, it's like being a, I've been riding motocross on and off since I was 13. And it's like, you always try to be the best you can. And if you get to a certain level, like in the pros and they go, well, you know, you might need to lower your standards here to fit in. Cause you're just blowing everybody away. It's like, what? No, all you assholes catch up to me. I'm not slowing down or lowering my standards so I can fit in and make you look bad. And that's not what I'm trying to do, but I'm just saying it's just ridiculous. I I've never heard that in my life. I never seen it in my life. Chicago market's very competitive. Denver, not as much, but still, but here I I just don't get it. That's probably one of the strangest things I've ever heard in my life. I don't know about you. I mean, this show, I try to do it the best that I can to my ability, but I'm not just going to come on here just to, well, I'm doing a podcast and I'm just going to talk and whatever. And I sound like Rocky and Spicoli together, I guess. But yeah, I'm just going to sit here and say shit like this. And, you know, if you don't like it, because I got to lower my standards Cause the show's just too good. 
and nobody wants to listen to it now because they think I'm an asshole. Really? Mm, no, not going to happen. I'd rather quit. And or, I don't really say quit, move on. Just move on. So I think settling just for good enough is a huge mistake, regardless of what it is. That's not me. That's not how I'm built. Good morning. How are you? Who is this? Lil? JJ? JJIJ? I don't know. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't read it. How are you? 20 hearts? Oh my God. My ex wife didn't fucking give me that. Thank you very much. Does that sound okay? Where the hell is everybody? I'm glad you're here. Thank you. But I'm like, what the hell? I've been taught. I talk to myself anyway. I do this show, but I mean, there's nobody in here. And I love your Jill. Good morning, Jill. How are you? Would, would you mind? See, I love this. Would you mind sharing what part of the country you're from? What state you're in? I'd like to know. Boise, Idaho. Oh, I went through there when I went to uh, Seattle, Washington. I liked it. I've heard nothing but good things about Idaho. Actually, I have a friend that lived in California forever, and he's getting um, pushed out of there because California is being California, and uh, he's moving to Idaho. Yeah, eight hours away. Yeah, I love Seattle, Puget Sound, and all that. Oh my God, it's beautiful. The original Starbucks is right there on uh, Pike's Place, actually. Mount Rainier, Mount Rainier from the air looks like a freaking alien base or something. It's weird. It's like, oh, that's a volcano mountain. I'm like, that don't look like it. It looks like something from Mars or something, but it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, I I really do like Seattle. I, I thought about moving there, actually. I just can't deal with the rain and the drizzle all the time because it depresses me. Uh, and that's kind of why I came to Florida because I like the sun. And Denver, believe it or not, is one of the sunniest cities uh, annually than, uh, I think it's the most actually in the country because I did some homework before I moved there. But, all right, well, cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. She's asking me, how do I handle the humidity? I I, I kind of tune it out. Because I was born and raised in Illinois and been downtown Chicago in August uh, and thereabouts. And I'm used to humidity because there's nothing worse than Chicago in August. I'm telling you. Except here. Except it's for a longer period of time here, which is like three months. And people warned me. I'm like, yeah, well, I would rather deal with that than 20 below zero. And I'm still going to say that. But uh, I just deal with it. I mean, quite honestly, when I'm not, well, I'm not working now. But when I'm not working and I'm in my apartment, I'm really not wearing anything but a pair of shorts. I mean, you just don't wear any clothes, which is weird because I'm not used to that. But I can't stand wearing clothes and then you just get all sweaty and all that shit. And it's like you're taking them off anyway. So you just might as well leave them off, right? Yeah. fall. You like fall and winter. Does it get really cold up there? 
I bet you it does because you're right by, well, Idaho touches the Canadian border, right? Canada's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, when we were there in Seattle, we um, we were going to go to, what is it, Queens Island or something? You take the ferry, but it was so busy, it was uh, ridiculous. So we just drove up to that Providence. I can't remember what the Providence is right above you guys. It's beautiful. Oh, my God. I was like, I didn't want to leave. But the Canadians and like us Americans at the time, I don't know if they do or not regularly but the dollar was much weaker than the canadian dollar and they didn't like you bringing their currency in there because they lost money but regardless it was a beautiful place absolutely beautiful is that what it is fashion island i don't know i don't remember it was quite a while ago but i wanted to do that and then there's an island in puget sound that has a naval base on it, and we went there. There was a ferry that went there. It's beautiful. I really, really highly recommend people go to Seattle just to check it out. It's a great experience. I've never been to California, though, ever. I'm kind of afraid to because I don't think I'll leave. No, I've never been to California. I've been to Vegas. I've been everywhere around California except Oregon, but I've never been to California. I've been. All around it, surrounded it, never been there. I would love to go, but I'm afraid I wouldn't come back because I know me. <laughs> so I, I just like, I can't go because I won't leave. I just know it. I know myself, but who knows? I, maybe not, but I just really should go there. You'd love to go to the East Coast. I've never been, except North Carolina. And then, of course, Florida. I've never been, like, up in New Hampshire or Maine. Somebody's listening from New Hampshire, by the way. I thought that was cool. Is New Hampshire on the coast? I don't know. But any of the, like, up in New England or not, I've never been on the East Coast up there. I've been to, I went through New York to go Niagara Falls and that side of Canada. My I have family in Pennsylvania, been there. Not really crazy about Pittsburgh, sorry. Still mills just make it fucking. I remember my aunt, she had to dust every freaking day just because from the steel, steel mills in the soot and all that shit. Nice people, though. I still have family there, so I got to be careful. That's about it, though. I, East, I'm not an East Coast person. I don't know why. I just don't have a desire to go there. I'm more, I'm more drawn to the west. Although you can't get any further east, pretty much, and south than I am now, which is kind of weird. But, huh? Okay. Well, let's see here. Somebody else popped in here. Good morning. Yeah, Fridays are laid back for me. I just don't want to come on here. Have you listened to the show before, Joe? Yeah, Central Park. I, I've been told I should go to New York, but I've dealt with enough. No offense, because I have New Yorkers here. A lot of people have relocated from New York here, and I've talked to them, and I go, yeah, well, I just hear there's a bunch of assholes in New York City. And they're like, yeah, pretty much. I go, well, Chicago, too, so I'm used to that. 
but I still, it wouldn't bother me. I mean, one second, Hey, how's it going? And Hey, go fuck yourself. You know, it's like, Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm in Chicago and get flipped off or whatever. But I would love to go to New York city just to, just to experience it. I've been told that I need to do that. So eventually I will do that. Uh, just the energy and everything is crazy, but. I'm not a big lot of people I've dealt with cities and it's just not my thing anymore. Sorry. Just not my thing. Let's see. I used to work for DHL. Oh, really? And most of my calls were from New York, New York. Hey, yeah. I ordered this fucking package and it ain't here yet. So where the fuck is it? Have a nice day. Something like that. Did they talk like, yeah, hey, man, I ordered this fucking package. You fucking ain't here yet. Chicago, <laughs> Chicago, and I still have my Chicago accent, I've been told. Mm, Jersey, New York's a little bit harder. Uh, syllables are more um, staccato, I guess would be the word. But, yeah, uh, that's funny. Oh, my God, you must have heard a lot of shit <laughs> from New Yorkers. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, very, very to the point, and I took it as rude, really bad. Yeah, I and, and you know what? I have that problem, and I'll admit it. But I'm coming from the hip, and I just say it. I mean, that's how I like to be dealt with, but I don't mean to be rude. But when I'm on the – this is more of me now, not my show personality, but I just like to get to the point and say it but it does come on too assertive and rude. I get that. I, I do get that. I'll work on it. But but you want me to come on here like this is a church sermon? It's like, oh, everybody's just so welcome here, and you're so nice. Everybody's just wonderful today. I mean, Jesus Christ, you wouldn't listen to that shit for five minutes. I got to put some tension and shit into this. You, you got to hear something where I say, and you look at the radio and go, what the fuck is this guy saying? Because that's what I hear. I have friends that listen to the show and they have it on the phone and people are hearing me and they're like, who are you listening to? And then that gravitates them to listen. So there's a method to my madness. Trust me. So otherwise I really, if you saw me in person and met me, I mean, I have a friend, she won't even listen to the show because that's not you, Tim. I go, yeah, I know, <laughs> but, but it is when I'm behind this mic, you know, and I got to get people to get engaged. I just can't sit here and be a nice guy and not be a dick because that gets attention. <laughs> Honestly, it does. I mean, why do, why do women like bad? Not that I'm saying I'm a bad boy or whatever, but I'm like, why do women gravi gravitate to bad guy, bad boys, you know? I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of have my theory on it, but they'd rather deal with that guy than a guy that goes to church and is nice and sweet and kind and, you know, falls over you every time they see him and stuff. No, you'd rather be around a dick to treat you like shit. I don't get it. And guys are like that too. Why, why are you dating that bitch? Oh, I love her. Oh, okay. 
I don't know. I don't get people. I don't, I just, but I do know what grabs attention, at least in this format. So, but you got to get to know me. But like I said, if you met me in person, we were talking. You, I, I'm just a totally different person. And I actually, I don't talk that much. Believe it or not, I, I listen. So, but then when I start getting a couple glasses of wine in me, I start talking. <laughs> I start talking. So. Yeah, right. Nice guys always come in last. Yeah, see? So I can't, I don't want to be boring. I'm like, oh my God. I, I listen to some stuff, podcasts or radio. Radio's horrible, by the way. I'm like, this sucks, man. This is boring. I don't want to hear this shit. I want to hear something like, oh my God, really? Did that kid just fucking say that? Or a woman or whatever. I mean, just like, like a New Yorker, you know, believe me, when a New Yorker talks to you, you're paying attention, right? Right, Jill? If you worked at DHL and whatever you did dealing with New Yorkers, I'm sure they kept your attention. Okay. She says, yes. So there you go. So anyway, I got to engage you guys, whether I upset you or not, <laughs> I'm not or even offend, but I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to offend. I might try to poke you in the ribs a little bit, but that's it. And like I said, this is Friday. It's laid back. I ain't going to do any serious shit today. It's going into the weekend. It's Van Halen Friday. Time to have some fun. I can be a dick and talk about shit Monday through Thursday, but when Friday comes, I just want to be closest to me as I can be with without being boring. No room for doubt. No. Mm -mm. Nope. Can't have any doubt. Well, I don't mind doubt if I'm trying to make people think. So if you start doubting yourself, then I'm accomplishing my goal. But not doubting yourself as a person, but your thinking or indoctrination. Just get it to be open-minded. Oh. No room for doubt when you're talking to a New Yorker. Oh, I know, I know. You know exactly what you're dealing with. So with uh, every other word being the F-bomb, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Chicago's not much different. Chicago's a little bit more subtle and laid back and friendly. Not much. Plenty of assholes in Chicago. I'm from there, so I can tell you. I can call myself an asshole. Uh but nonetheless, interesting. Chicagoans are the nicest people in the world, but if you piss them off, I mean, God help you. It's where the whole mob mentality. It was so funny. When I was a teenager, we went to Kansas. I was like 15. And my grandma at the time, when she was alive, was living there. And I met some neighbor kids, and they go, well, where are you from? I go, Chicago. They're like, oh, are you in the mob? And it happens like every time, uh, not lately or whatever, but you know, innocence comes out. It's like, are you in the mob? I'm like, oh yeah. Didn't you know everybody from Chicago's in the mob? Of course I'm in the mob. Why are you going to fucking piss me off? Yeah. There's assholes everywhere. You got that right. I still can't find good pizza out here. It's <laughs> driving me crazy. Uh, I'll even take New York style. I did find a place up though in uh, 
What's it? Ormond Beach. I got to get the name of it. Really good New York style pizza. Really good. I'm going to get the name of it. But yeah, I can't find a good pizza. When I went back to Chicago to see my dad and my parents and my mom and sister and whatever family, one of the first things I did was got a deep dish pizza and I was in heaven. I'm like, oh my God. I think I put on like three or five pounds, which is okay. But oh my God, I was in heaven. <laughs> like I would die for a pizza like this in Florida and Colorado for that matter. So, all right. Well, it's an hour and nine minutes. Uh, I think that's enough talking about absolutely nothing, but I, I like this. I like this interaction crap. I love talking to people in a chair room on the phone. But when I start getting into my show, I minimize this cause cause it's a distraction. Some people think you're ignoring them. I'm not, I, I can't multitask. I'm a man. Number one, males don't multitask very well. And I can't have a train of thought talking and then reading. It's impossible for me. So that's why. But I like this. Yeah, I will have a good weekend. Sorry for what? Why are you sorry? You didn't do anything. I'm not talking about nothing now. I'm talking to you. I'm not saying now. I'm saying when I'm going on rants or being an asshole or whatever, a New Yorker, no offense, then you know, I, I can't watch this screen. It's like, I don't know about you, but when I'm watching a movie, whether, well, especially in a the theater, and I really don't go to the theater with anybody, sad to say. I did with my ex-wife all the time. But if I'm watching a movie like here and somebody's here in my apartment and they're trying to talk to me, it drives me fucking nuts. I can't talk to you while I'm watching a movie. It's the same thing with this. I can't do the show and be in. That's why they got people or assistants to monitor the chat room or take phone calls. I know. I understand why. Because you just can't. You can't get engaged into what you're doing. And I want to give full attention to what I'm talking about and people that are in the chat room. But can that at the same? Just I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you the way it is. It's very challenging so i don't mean to offend anybody and no i'm not again joe i'm not talking about this right now are you doing better now since your divorce oh you know about my divorce oh wow really so you've listened to my show uh okay are you doing better now since your divorce yes one time you talked about yeah, I was struggling. Divorce is horrible. I mean, if you're really in, I'm fine. It's been five and a half years. They say whoever they are, people on YouTube, if I can believe them or not, said it takes a guy four to six years to get over their divorce or to get like back to 90% where you were. Uh, I would agree with that. I would say it took me a little over five years. And a lot of living alone and no dating and a lot of spiritual healing and church and reading and research and books and fucking whatever. I mean, there was a point where I didn't like women, not saying I hated them. I just didn't like them because of what happened to me. And I, and it's the same with women. You know, I'm sick of men. 
I'm sick of men. It was married for 27 years. The guy's an asshole. It's like, if you spend that, I don't, and I get that, but that's not true. But that's your perception of reality based on your experience. I get it. But anyway, yeah, I'm way, way better. I love women. I think women are awesome. And not for reasons people think. I just do. Uh, but yeah, I would probably say I'm 95% where I need to be. But divorces just got awful. I wish it on nobody. I really do. It was just a horrible experience. Horrible. The two biggest losses a human being can can handle or experience, I should say, not handle, is losing a loved one like your significant other or, God forbid, a kid, maybe a parent, somebody very close to you. And the second most severe loss a person can experience is a divorce. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Oh, yeah, no, you can ask. Oh, I'm sorry. See, so you know what I'm talking about. Have you heard me recommend the book, It's Okay That You're Not Okay? You just told me you lost your husband. The woman that wrote that book was a therapist. Okay, the woman, she says no. I'm sorry. I got to say what you say because people can't, can't see the screen. Okay, it's called It's Okay That You're Not Okay. Just go to Amazon.com and type It's Okay that you're not okay. The woman that wrote this book was a therapist for people that were dealing with loss, especially a loved one. So she was, a, and I might sound like I'm anti-educational or degree or whatever. I'm not, I'm just anti-indoctrination. So this woman was practicing and in, in executing all the knowledge and experience and that experience, but education that she had, uh, in her training and how to help people deal with a loss. So one day she comes home, this is all in the book. Oh, and get ready because she uses colorful metaphors and fuck and everything. It's a great, honest book. And she comes home one day from work and she finds her husband. I'm sorry. You just went through this. So I'm not, I'm not trying to upset you. I'm just telling you the story of the book. I'm very sorry for you. I mean, I mean here, the best thing I can say to you and it's in the book is, is just know that I'm here. Okay. Because she came home and her husband died of a massive coronary heart attack because he was on the exercise motor, uh, exercise bike. And the guy was in great shape and this and that, but he just had a massive coronary heart attack and he dropped dead. So now she's experiencing what she's consoling people for through her training and education. And what she found out was it's all bullshit. She's like, this, this shit don't work. You know, people, people honestly try to come up to you and go, I'm so sorry for your loss. I know how you feel all this kind of bullshit. And it's like, all it does is upset the person you're talking to. Although you mean good intentions. It's like, how in the fuck do you know how I feel? Or well, you're lucky you were married and you, and you had a partner for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. It's like, what? It's just all this good intention, empathetic comments to show that you care. And they're just more hurtful. It's like, fuck you. 
How do you fucking know how I feel? I can't imagine how you feel. And the book is amazing. So I get it. I listened to it on audio. And the woman that narrates the book, I don't know if it's her, the author, but she does a great, the tone in her voice is like a scorned woman that is just, you know, not a raving bitch, but it's a tone that is amazing that it's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm destroyed. I'm upset. I'm angry. And then she's reading the book in that tone and she does a phenomenal job. And that book, we as human beings are horrible at dealing with loss and we're horrible with dealing with people that have experienced a loss grief. We're not taught how to deal with grief. Not in the right way. But she said, the best thing anybody can say to me is just know that I'm here. And that I would agree with. I heard so many, so many comments about my divorce. I'll just get over it or fuck that bitch or you're better off. And it's like, you know, it's not helping me <laughs> at all. You're actually pissing me off, but they're not trying to. It's a phenomenal book. It really is. And there's no time frame. For somebody, you never really get over that type of loss or grief, but you learn to deal with it and accept it and move on. And that book, I wish I would have read it sooner and found it, but that book is phenomenal. Yes, you're welcome. You're, that's, believe it or not, that <laughs> that's the whole purpose of this show. Because it, it gets kind of irritating. Like, all you do is talk about yourself and this and that. And now I'm a narcissist. Again, I can only talk about myself. I, I can't talk about you, Jill, and or get you on the phone. I mean, I could, but then make it all about you because you might not be comfortable talking about that. But I can't talk about you because it's you. But I could talk about me and my experience. And you ask me a question and I go, I've been through this. I'm still going through it because you never really get over it uh, and how I dealt with it. And I'm telling you, read that book. I'm not being a dick here. I'm not being a New York. Hey, read that fucking book or you're a fucking bitch or whatever, or you're just going to suffer your whole life. How sweet. No. Read that book and uh, let me know. It's a page turner or if you're listening to it, you won't stop listening to it. I wouldn't be surprised if you read it or listen to the thing the entire weekend. If you have enough time, great book. Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. That's right here. That is what this show's about. But I, I very rarely have this one-on-one -on -one crap, although I don't even, the whole world's listening <laughs> freaks me out, but I like this one-on-one -on -one stuff. Funny. You have told me about this book today. Uh, because today I was out of control cry baby of course you are you gotta let that shit out sweetheart and i mean that you know i don't mean that affectionately i just mean you you need to let all that shit out you're gonna cry and cry and cry i did i i'm a guy oh you can't say that you're a big pussy okay whatever you're gonna cry because you're dealing i mean i was just talking to my neighbor about this she's got a dog i go how old's the dog she goes six seven years old I go, man, I've had dogs on my life. We should get one. I said, well, number one, I'm a forever home person. So I'm not getting a dog until 
I get some stability in my life because I'm not going to get rid of the dog. And I go, plus going through the loss of putting him down with you, when you euthanize him, if that's what you have to do. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. And I go, I really don't want to go through that again. And four months after my divorce, I had to put my bull mastiff down, Sabrina, who was just a sweetheart. And she was the only thing I got in my divorce. And shortly thereafter, I found out she had shoulder cancer. And the, um, see, this is me now. And the vet goes, she has shoulder cancer. She has cancer. I go, well, what can I do? She goes, well, you could spend about five grand on chemo and it might be a 50, 50 chance. I said, I don't have $50. I just got divorced. You know, and it wasn't her fault, but I'm just like, I don't have it. So she gave me some pain meds and I go, well, when will I know to bring her in when it's time? And the vet said, you'll know. So I took her fluffy, hairy ass to work with me and put her in my truck and I had to lift her up and down, you know, it's like a hundred pounds because her shoulder was too much pain, gave her pain meds. And I just made sure she had the best life she could every single minute that I could and took her to work. And she's just happy and picking shit. And, um, one day I had to put her down and it just fucking killed me. And I'm like, I don't want to go through that again. Not yet. So anyway, that, I mean, you're going to cry. I would, I would be concerned if you didn't, <clears throat> but you got to get that shit out, man. Get it out. Just cry. You're going to be an emotional wreck, but the one thing about the book, and she's pretty clear about it, is you got to find a hobby. But that's down the road. But I'm sure you have a bunch of people reaching out to you and saying all the wrong things, and it's just making it worse. And then they wonder why you're being a bitch. Well, I just try to talk to Jill, and she's being a bitch. Of course, you're not going to say it to your face. <clears throat> and it's like people have no idea, no idea the grief. In the pain, in the roller coaster emotions. And I would go see a therapist. Not that they're right. I'd read this book first <laughs> because, according to her, she's a therapist and it's like it's all bullshit. The whole grieving therapy stuff is wrong. All of it. And I agree with it because my therapist didn't help me much either. I mean, we focused on me, but the subject of divorce and grief and loss, I don't think they're ever taught about that. I mean, what's the stages of grief? Denial, anger, and then acceptance, I think. It's not really exactly all those things, but it's something like that. Just the denial and then the anger. And the acceptance and then the healing, I think it is, which is a lifetime thing. You just don't snap your fingers and go, oh, okay, I'm over it. I mean, I haven't even been on a fucking date. Here you go. A little personal in three and a half years. I've gone out with friends that are women, but I don't call that a date. Just call that hanging out. But um, yeah, man, I mean, I don't know. Read that book. I've read a lot of books, a lot of books. In that book, by far, 
in dealing with grief and loss is the best. So I hope it helps you. Please let me know. Absolutely. Oh, my pleasure. I see that's what this show's about, man. Like this is exactly it, but you wouldn't know that if I didn't share that. Oh, it's all about you and your narcissist and grandiose and this and that. Hey, listen, man, if I can help one person like you, if I help one person, I'm going to get on a rant here. One person, the entire time I've been doing this stupid fucking show and I help you, Jill, it's all been worth it. That's it. That's what this show's about. So yeah, no, you're welcome. Don't, don't worry about it. I mean, if I've experienced it or been through it and I try to find some type of, uh, guidance and peace and happiness, um, because that's trial and error. That book by far, that book and a little bit off subject with self-healing was the movie, the shack. Some people are just going through rage and resentment, uh, for whatever reason in a big loss, like a divorce, watch that movie. Cause that movie saved my life. That, that movie before that, and it wasn't just like I walked out of the theater and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm all better. No, it made me break down and cry. And I got my truck and I prayed for all the people that hurt me and forgiveness and all that crap. And, uh, it's a process, but the movie, the shack, and then this book, it's okay that you're not okay. And there's more books, but that's enough. That is a great start. That's a wonderful start. So. Okay, well, I wish you luck. Yes, it is. It's about forgiveness, and it's about, um, maybe this will help you know, in the show. I recently just reconnected with my daughter after six years, and then I got, I got to saw my grandkids, and I reconnected with my sister because the divorce just, it, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And enough was enough. And I sat down for the first time in six years with my daughter and my son, who my son and I always kept in contact and they have a great relationship because he didn't side with his mother. My daughter did, but I don't want to go down that part of the road with this conversation. And that's exactly what I told my daughter. I said, listen, I said, I don't care who did what or anything. I know what I did. And I said a lot of things. I didn't do anything violent or ridiculous, but I mean, I, I lashed out. And, um, at that point, when you're going through that, if people aren't on your side, you think they're against you. And I think that's normal. Just like what you're going through. If people don't reach out to you, you're going to think that they don't care, but they do. They just don't know what to say. But I, I told my daughter, I go, I can only be accountable for what I said and what I did. And I'm sorry. I said, the only reason your mother and I got divorced was because of your mother and I. Other people got involved. They said things, they did things, but that's on them. I'm done blaming other people. I'm done with all of it. That's for them and on them to admit they did something wrong and ask me for forgiveness and apologize to me. And it's done. But I was expecting everybody to do that regardless. And until that was done, I wasn't going to budge because I'm stubborn. I can be really pig-headed. But I'm like, you know what? All I'm doing is 
hurting people. And I told her that too. I go, I'm done, done delivering justice out of resentment and anger. That's for the guy upstairs in karma. And I said, I don't care who did what and who said what. I'm repeating myself. I go, but your mother and I got divorced because of your mother and I, period. Nothing should have broke that bond, but it did. And that's on me and that's on her. And then anybody got involved in it, that's on them. But you better get your story straight and tell the truth before you get upstairs to the man upstairs because he knows the truth. And you have the opportunity to straighten this shit out now. And that's another way that I looked at this. I'm like, I'm going to fix this now. But it took six years. So, yeah, the kids get hurt. I know. But I'm telling you, it took every part of me and to, to put down my guard and my, um, you know, being a man. Oh, I can't admit I'm wrong and I'm strong and I got to be this and I got to set an example on uh, sometimes being a man, you have to make things right and fix it and leave your, um, leave your personality and your, um, image, leave it to the side. And, uh, you gotta be meek actually, but meek doesn't mean you're weak. So I, I learned a really good growing experience from this at fucking 57. So, um, yeah, because family's the most important thing. But you can't let people walk on you either because my reputation was just destroyed along monetary and everything else. I mean, I'm 57 and I feel like I'm 19 again. Nothing. Got nothing. And I got really upset and I wanted people to be accountable for what they did to me, but that doesn't happen. How many times somebody come up to you? Yeah, I really fucked up and I'm sorry. And I, and I said this and I said that and really never. Uh, but then neither did I. So I'm like, you know what? Why don't I set an example and make it right and fix it? And I did, but it was very hard to do. Very hard to do, but I did. I think I said this the other day on one of the shows and being more my personality, being a dick, but it's like, you know, if you're going through some shit in a divorce, it's on you too. So just admit that you were wrong. You said some mean things. You did some wrong things and ask for forgiveness and fucking fix it. If you're still in love, if you're not, then just break it off, but don't destroy each other. My ex said that to me. She came back from her apartment or apartment, her uh, counselor. And before she let her, not, not her counselor, fuck, her attorney, sorry. And before she left, she goes, I'm just going to walk away from everything and give everything to you in the divorce decree. Then she came back from her attorney and said, I'm going to destroy you. And I just looked at her and I go, you're going to destroy everything. And she did. I don't know how those words can come out of a person's mouth that you spent 27 years married in 30 total and raised two kids and started a company and ran a company and we're together every minute of the day and somebody can literally come up to you and say, I'm going to destroy you. I thought I was dealing with Darth Vader. 
And in some instances, I was. And it did destroy me, but it destroyed everything else. So, and then she ran away and then got remarried. And from what I know is miserable. And that's very sad because I don't want that for her. But again, see, there's karma and the universe um, not punishing her, but she needs to learn to deal with some issues that she's never dealt with and doy. And that's her lesson to learn. But see, I'm, I'm not going to put it on her. Um, but you just have to agree. You know, one day I just hope we can say to each other, you know what, this is our fault, nobody else's fault. And we hurt a lot of people and make amends with them. It's like, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's nothing should have broke that bond unless there's drug abuse, physical abuse, or you're just not in love anymore. Then you're not happy. Don't stay in that marriage. No way. How many times I've heard we're doing it for the kids. I'm like, oh my God, you don't think your kids fucking pick that up. They pick it up. But anyway, so it's a little bit too deeper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got all kinds of fucking stories. <laughs> no, I'm not an asshole. I'm quite the contrary, but that's okay. I really honestly don't care what people think of me. I'm way past that. I don't want people to think I'm an asshole, but I just don't, you know, or oh, you're a great guy or you're an asshole. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, you know, whatever. I'm my, my, my self-worth is not based on your opinion. I prefer that you like me, but not everybody likes you. And I'm very misunderstood, but that's okay. So, but I, all right, I'm going to let you go. That's an hour and a half now. Holy crap. Please read that book, Jill. Please come back, um, which you have. You're obviously a listener, so I appreciate that. Uh, and I really hope this book helps you. But it's it's going to um, it's gonna be a rough ride, but it's going to be the right ride. That book is just phenomenal. And again, the audio, because I have it and I bought it, the audio is just off the charts. And I don't listen to too many books. Uh, I usually read them. But I really wanted to get through this book and spend time driving and listening to it, and I did. And it's just off the charts. It's off the charts. So, okay. So I'm going to go. So have a great weekend. Uh, you're welcome. Yes. And, and please, just, you know, that I I hate seeing people in pain, man. And if I can help somebody, I'll do it. So read the book. You're on for uh, a lot of healing. And um, it's just going to take time. And that book will help you in the right. It's like a map, you know, and the book's phenomenal. I would love to get her on here, actually. I, I might look into that because it's it's just an amazing um, eye-opening book. It's It's phenomenal. So, okay. I'm going to go have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to Jill and everybody else in the chat room, which not too many today. And uh, I will be back Monday. So please share the show and have a great weekend. You've been listening to the original Red Bill show.